0: Everybody, well, let's try that one more time. Good evening, everybody. Much better. Let's all stand and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Jay, would you open some prayer, please? Amen. Let's all take your hymnals. Come to hymn number 324. Hit number 3 to 24, Draw Me Near hymn number 363, hymn number 363, wonderful words of life. See you.
1: To wide, but from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your side, so you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside, and there at the cross you paid the debt I owed. Broke my chains, freed my soul, for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has walked. For the blood
2: Lamentations chapter 3 will be this evening. <clears throat> keep preaching prayers. They're down in Branson getting ready for the couples retreat. There's several people will be traveling down there uh, Friday, some people traveling tomorrow. Uh, so keep all those traveling in prayer. Uh, pray for me. I don't know how long my voice is going to last tonight, but uh, I'm your only option. So Lamentations chapter 3. I just want to be an encouragement to us tonight, Uh, not uh, anything real deep or theological, just uh, try to be an encouragement, uh, maybe to somebody that's hurting this evening. Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah here is uh, the prophet writing and speaking here, and he's presiding basically over the uh, downfall of Jerusalem as they begin, begin to get taken over and Uh, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Their city gets taken over. And uh, we're going to go through uh, this chapter, chapter 3 here tonight, and see what Jeremiah did uh, when defeat struck in his life uh, and how he handled that. Jeremiah chapter, I'm sorry, Lamentations chapter 3. We'll read the first couple of verses here and have a word of prayer. We'll get into the uh, message this evening. uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1. I am a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath, he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath uh, broken my bones. He hath built it against me and compassed me with gall and with travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word tonight, to uh, come to you for some encouragement. pray that you would uh, bless the reading of your word. Help us so be uh, again, strengthen and encouraged through it this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm sure everybody here, or most of you here, are aware of what happened on Sunday with the Chiefs uh, winning the Super Bowl. Um, it was, uh, everybody in town was talking about it. Uh, I don't know if you watched on TV today or went down to the parade that was downtown. Uh, but there, there are estimates of, you know, like half the city being down there. Uh, everybody knows somebody who was down there. It was a big deal. But as we were watching the game on Sunday... Uh, much like the last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, uh, at halftime they were down by 10 points. And uh, uh, our quarterback was limping off the field. He had gotten hurt again and, and uh, just did not look very good. And uh, I'm sure the Eagles were excited. You could see them, uh, you know, walking off the field thinking, we've got this in the bag, uh, we're going to win, we're going to take home the trophy, uh, we're going to be victorious. And as you saw in the second half, uh, things did not go that way. And It was really obvious, as you watched farther and farther into the game, each uh, play that the Chiefs uh, were able to complete that put them farther and farther uh, ahead, and farther and farther in the in the in the leaders or in the in the driver's seat. There, uh, you can look if you have the ESPN app; it'll show any game you're watching. It'll show like a percentage of who's likely to win. And then, and if you watch the graph on that on the app on that game, it went down. Uh, into the Eagles territory pretty far for most of the game and in the second half it went back up the other way and spiked a few times and uh, if you watch TV every time that was spiking towards the Chiefs favor you could see the look on the uh, Eagles players face as they sat on the bench and as they uh, some of them grown men uh, began to cry they were uh, defeated everything was going great everything was going in their favor everything was awesome and little by little uh, in a short span of time, the rug was pulled out from underneath their feet, and they were, uh, uh, they were the losers. Uh, I don't think anybody feels bad for these grown men who are millionaires crying on the sidelines, but uh, they were defeated. They were hopeless. They looked like they had been through the ringer, and uh, they had their hope that they had taken away. Today, some of us, some of you here today are kind of like the eagles. Everybody is celebrating. Everybody is... Uh, going through a good time in their life. Everybody's got uh, good things happening for them, and uh, maybe you have been struck by defeat. Something bad has happened in your life, uh, something difficult you're going through, and, and uh, you just, uh, you know, you feel like maybe you're lucky to have made it to church. And everybody's walking around shaking hands, talking about things are going well in their life, or this, that, and the other, just making small talk, and you think, man, I'd rather be anywhere but here, or man, I just don't have it in me to, uh, 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 to talk to the people and, and put on a good face. Uh, Everybody's gone through difficult times or or will go through difficult times or maybe you are right now. It can be anything. Uh, uh, maybe a phone call from a doctor that gives you bad news and you, you find out something you were hoping would not go that way. And you feel defeated. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you had bad news at work and uh, something happened. You were passed over for a promotion or, or lost your job, maybe. And, and uh, you feel defeated. You feel like those uh, football players on the sidelines who thought they had it in the bag and then and it was taken away from them. Maybe you were betrayed by a friend. Uh, somebody that you trusted, somebody you thought uh, had your back, somebody that you, you, you confided in, and then they betrayed that trust. Uh, it could be something like losing a loved one, uh, somebody that you uh, did not expect to lose, or a broken relationship. Uh, maybe you got another bill in the mail, and, and, you, and you realize, man, I don't have the money to pay these bills. Uh, it could be a, a sick child. Uh, all kinds of things happen in our life, and it's easy for us to feel hopeless. Jeremiah, the prophet here, was struck by this hopelessness. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed their city. Uh, they were uh, being run out of town. And, and we're going to read through these verses here, and you're going to see uh, where Jeremiah descends into. We'll start with verse 1 there, the struggle here we see of the prophet Jeremiah. He said in verse 1, I'm the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He, he said, I'm the God that God, God has chosen to warn the Israelites. And he preaches against the Israelites, and he tells them destruction is coming. Uh, and he, he watches the destruction come over the hill and take over their city, uh, and he sees them be punished, much like uh, a preacher has said before, people ask him for advice. You know, Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Should I move to this town? Should I uh, do this, that, or the other? And he warns them, uh, this is not what God has for your life. I, you know, If you seek my advice as the pastor, this is what I recommend, and they do it anyways. And then he watches the destruction just come uh, and take over their life. That's what Jeremiah is seeing here. This, this nation that he loved was being punished by God, and it was his job to oversee it and to watch it happen. Verse 2, he said, he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. He says, this darkness, if you look at verse 6 here, he has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He said, it's, it, he's basically saying, I, I'm in the darkness here. I, I may as well be in a coffin. Uh, he, he said, God has put me in a, a dark place as somebody who's uh, 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 been dead for a long time. He just continues to go downhill here. Verse three, surely against me is he turned, speaking of God, he turneth his hand against me all the day. You know, he's saying God's out to get me. He's saying God's uh, 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 my enemy. Uh, uh, Now he says, not only am I going downhill and things are going bad, now God's out to get me. God is uh, against me. You ever had a bad day and things just keep getting worse and worse. And you think, (coughs) excuse me, how is this happening? Here's what, here's what, (laughs) bothers me you're having a bad day and you walk out of your room or something and your your belt loop gets hooked on the door handle and it makes it even everything makes you mad and you, you think what is going on why can't these go my way that's what Jeremiah is saying here verse four and five my flesh and my skin hath he made old he hath broken my bones he hath builded walls, built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail he said it's making me feel old you ever go through something and you just feel wore out it makes you feel old. It makes you feel like all your energy is gone. I, I, and, and again, he's saying God is doing this to him. Verse 7 here, he hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. He said there's no escape from this trial that I'm going through, this destruction that I'm uh, faced with. There's no way out. God has uh, walled me in and, and, and chained me down and made the chain heavy. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. I can't see a way out. I don't know what's gonna ha- uh, how I'm going to get through this. We've all been there. Verse 8. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. Now he says, God won't even hear me. God, why won't you hear me? Do you ever pray and and, uh, you ask God for something and you think, Lord, are you even listening to me? Lord, uh, are you shutting out my prayer? Uh, I'm trying, Lord. I want to get through this difficult time. Uh, uh, God, please hear my prayer. Now he says, God's not even listening to me. Verse 9. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone and he hath made my paths crooked. Now, he says this is confusing, and and he feels lost, like God is making things more difficult for him. He's not straightening the way or straightening the path. He's making it crooked. We would go through times in our life where we feel like, God, you're making this awful difficult for me. Why can't things just be easy? I, I, I want to serve you with my life. I want to do the right thing. Why can't you just, you know, straighten the path, remove all the obstacles? I'll serve you with my life. I'll do awesome things for you, God, if you just make it easy for me. Verse 10 here, he was uh, was unto me as a bear lying in wait, as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark of of the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. Now he says God's not only against him not only are things dark not only is are, are things making him feel old not only is there no way out and God's not listening to his prayer and, and he's confused about things now he says God's hunting him like prey uh, God's hunting him here like a lion or like a, a bear he's got arrows and he's shooting them at him and he, and he doesn't understand God why are you doing this to me verse 14 he's getting lower and lower here I was in derision to all my people and their song all the day now he says everyone that I care for my people are deriding me. They're laughing at me. They're making fun of me. They're singing songs. He says, they're so, I'm their song all the day. They're writing songs about him and, and making fun of him. That's what I used to do with Trent when he worked with me because he's better at me than me than, at everything. And I used to, only thing I could do as recourse was to sing songs and hurt his feelings. And, uh, and that's all I could do. That's what he says. People are making fun of him. But now my people, my people, he says, not the enemy, my people, my family, my friends, those that know about me, or they're talking bad about me. And they're, uh, they're writing songs about me. Verse 15, he hath filled me with bitterness and hath made me drunken with wormwood. He says, I'm bitter. Wormwood is like castor oil. He said, now everything is just awful to me. Verse 16, he hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Now his whole body is being covered with ash. Now it's becoming physical like Job. It's, uh, it's taking more than just uh, the things around him, the, the atmosphere around him, the uh, situation that he's in. Now it's physical. Now it's personal. Now it's affecting him personally. Verse 17, and this may be the worst it gets here. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. To know peace and to lose that peace is awful. A lack of peace is a miserable place to be. He says says here, I forgot prosperity. He forgot the last time he was happy. You ever had things going your way, things are great, you're on the top of the world, uh, uh, everything's going right uh, with your finances and your family's doing great and your health is good and, and uh, there's no problems in your life and then all of a sudden that's all taken away? He said, that's how I feel right now. Uh, the peace that I had has been taken away from me and I don't even remember the last time that I was happy. Finally he reaches this breaking point here in verse 18. And I said, my strength and my hope has perished from, from the Lord. He said, I'm hopeless. I don't have any hope that things are getting better. That life that I had, the things that I trusted in, uh, the things that God gave to me, that I was serving him, uh, everything was going my way and now it's gone and I don't even have hope that it's going to come back. I have no hope that uh, anything is going to go the way that it should be. He's hopeless. Uh, and listen, this is, this is God's prophet. This is not some reprobate. This is not some guy, uh, some Joe Schmo on the side of the road who likes to curse God. This is, uh, this is God's man. This is uh, someone God has chosen to uh, uh, have books of the Bible uh, written because of the, thing, the prophecies that he prophesies and the sermons that he preaches. And God uh, chose him to preside over the destruction of Israel here, not because he did anything wrong, but because uh, God wanted him to tell us what was going on here, which, can, which tells us you can be right in the center of God's will and life can still be hard. He was exactly where he was supposed to be, and he lost all hope. But something changes in Jeremiah's life right here. Look at verse 19. Remembering my affliction and my misery and wormwood and gall. He says, it's all here. Everything I was talking about, I can remember it. I can see it. It's still difficult for me. My soul hath them and still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore... I have hope. What happened here in Jeremiah's life? Just three verses ago, he was hopeless. Just three verses ago, things were awful in his life. Uh, uh, everything uh, had been taken away from him and he was in darkness and God wasn't listening to his prayer and God was making things difficult for him and God was against him and, and uh, all those things he felt were true. And then all of a sudden he changes his, his tone here and he says, wait a second, now I have hope. Listen, when you see somebody get that low, uh, or when you get that deep and dark, and it sounds like he's dealing with depression here. It sounds like he's got uh, uh, really, really, uh, he's really far down. He's just low. And all of a sudden, he has hope. When that happens, I, I, I want to know what happened. I want to know what's different. I want to know what changed. Because I've been low in my life. I've been through difficult times in my life. I've had struggles and difficulties and trials, most of them my own making, if I'm honest. Uh, But I go through these difficult times and and, uh, we feel like, uh, Lord, are you even listening? Lord, do you see what I'm going through? I want to serve you with my life. I want to do the right thing, God, but you've got to help me out here. That's where he's at. Look at verse 21. Therefore, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. We see a shift in his perspective here. Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in him. The Lord is good unto uh, unto them that wait for him, uh, to the soul that seeketh him. The first 20 verses, uh, it, it, here's what happened. He was focused on himself. If you go through and you count in the first 20 verses here, uh, the times that he says, I and me and my and the problems that are mine, and this is what I need, is 34 times in the verses, verses 1 through 18. 34 times in, in those short verses, he's talking about himself. But now he shifts his focus to God. He shifts his focus to God and all of a sudden he has hope. He has hope that things are going to get better. He has hope that God uh, hasn't given up on him. He has hope uh, that things are not always going to be this way. Look at verse 22, he talks about God's compassion. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. If it wasn't for God's goodness, uh, uh, we would all be consumed. We, we, we spend so much time focusing on ourselves. This is our problems. This is uh, what's wrong with me. Uh, I need to worry about my problems. I need to worry about what I can do to help me. Instead of focusing on God and the goodness of God, we have to get our eyes off of ourselves and look to God. Look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. New every morning. We can check our account every morning. We could go out. uh, This doesn't work uh, at your bank. You can't just go out and spend all the money you have and go back in the morning and check your bank account and say, oh, look, they they just put it all back. They just thought they they like me and they took all the money I spent yesterday, and put it back in my bank account. I can spend it again today. But that's what happens with God. Uh, His mercies are new every morning. Uh, we can never deplete that account. Uh, my, my dear wife, sometimes I think I've depleted that account with her mercies and, uh, I, I, and, and she has to deal with me all day when I get home from work and all the way till we go to bed. And in the morning, uh, that account somehow magically at night gets filled back up and she's nice to me again in the morning. It's magic. No, it's not magic. She's merciful. Uh, that, those mercies are new every morning. Uh, how much more, our Heavenly Father, we can never uh, deplete those mercies. Great is thy like faithfulness, he says. If it was of the Lord's mercy, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I can complain about uh, what's going on in my family and and, uh, difficulties in my life, but if it wasn't for uh, God's mercies, I wouldn't have a family in the first place. I can complain about uh, uh, things going on at work, but if it wasn't for the mercies of God, I wouldn't even have a job. Uh, I can complain about being sick and problems with my health, but if it wasn't uh, uh, for God, I wouldn't have health in the first place. And on and on and on, everything in our life that we can uh, look down on and and be down in the dumps and think, "Uh, I can't believe God would let me go through this difficult time. If it wasn't for the mercies of God, we would all be consumed. He changes perspective here and begins to look upward instead of inward. He notices the consistency of God. He notices God's character. Look at verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. On Sunday, we were watching the Super Bowl, and uh, as good Baptists do, we had more food than you could shake a stick at. And one thing we don't practice on days like that is portion control. We just eat whatever we want. Oh, I'm going to have some of this. I'm going to have some of this. Oh, this plate looks too full. Let me eat it all, and I'll go back and get another portion. I'm going to get some of this. I'm going to get some. Oh, wait, now it's time for dessert. I'm going to get a portion of that. I'm going to get a little bit of this. Jeremiah says here, the Lord is my portion. He didn't need a side dish of uh, anything from the world. He, he didn't need a, an appetizer from anybody else to encourage him. He said, God is enough. And even if we have no one else that understands the difficult times that we're going through, no, if we have nobody else that, that has uh, seen the darkness that we've seen, he says, even if nothing changes here, God is my portion. God is enough. He is all enough, to, enough that I need. To get through this difficult time and that's not easy we've all been through difficult times and we think there's got to be a way out of this there's got to be something we can do and jeremiah says god is enough that's it that's all i need look at verse 25 here the lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him jeremiah's circumstances hadn't changed at all nothing had changed in his life in these next three, these, those three verses there between 18 and 21, nothing changed in his circumstances, but his perspective changed. And now
0: instead of looking at the trouble around him, he says, God is good. Your
2: perspective or your perception can be strengthened. He started to see every area of life in a better light. Verse 25 and 26, he sees that waiting on God is good here. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You know who doesn't quietly wait? I immediately thought of my kids traveling in the car. Or me, when I was a little kid, traveling in the car. I didn't quietly wait. Oftentimes I would say, are we there yet? Mom, are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? Can we, I, I mean, can we stop and get a drink? Can we stop and use the restroom? Can we stop and look at these cows on the side of the road? This is so boring. I don't want to be in this car. Uh, I was not patiently waiting, constantly. Are, are we there yet? Now, it's nice to travel, and, and I don't care if we get there. We're going to go to Branson in a couple days, and uh, <coughs> it'll be me and Jillian. There won't be any kids in the back seat saying, are we there yet? Can we stop? Can we, I, I, I. It'll just be nice. I won't have to patiently wait. I'll just spend time holding my wife's hand driving down the highway. But how odd would it be if we went to, uh, we, we go to man camp or we go to the men's recharge or things like that. And sometimes we'll take the van and uh, oftentimes Brother Charlie will drive or somebody will drive. Can you imagine us driving down there and, and not as a joke, let's say, uh, let's say Scott sitting in the back says, are we there yet? We may laugh a little bit and say, okay, Scott's a grown man. He knows we're not there yet. But what if you're serious? Are we there yet, guys? No, we're not. I mean, you have a GPS on your phone, too. You can see we're not, you know, 45 minutes away. Ah, Are we there? Can we stop? I want to get a drink. Can we stop? I'm tired of driving. What would we think? We would think, how immature. Honestly, it was a sign of immaturity for little kids to not understand the concept. Okay, we can't just snap our fingers and be there. We're not there yet. But Scott's a grown man. Hopefully he knows we'll get there when we get there okay stop asking are we gonna we would think he was immature we would think listen we're not taking this guy with us anymore first of all and second he can drive his own car or something like that are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet but how many times are we going through a trial in our life a difficult time and we look up at God and say are we there yet can can we be done with this trial God I don't know what you're trying to teach me, or I've already learned, I'm sure, what you're trying to teach me in this difficult time, God. Are we there yet? Can we, can we stop? Can we do something else? I don't want to do this anymore. Waiting on God is hard. We're sitting in God's waiting room sometimes, going through these difficult times. But the Bible says here, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good, uh, the Lord is good to them that wait for him, so to the soul that seeketh him. Don't be a 30 year old man or woman saying, are, are we there yet? To God, maturity in the Christian life is going through a valley without bugging God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray to God and bring our, uh, our, our troubles to him. Of course, we should spend time in prayer, uh, seeking God's face and seeking his direction. But I don't know that we should go to God, as the Bible says here, and say, God, are we there yet? Can we can we be done with this trial? I, listen, I am so sick of being poor, God. Can you just make me rich? Can I, can I win the lottery? Uh, God, I'm so tired of, of, of not having any hair on my head. Can you please just, you know, fix that, God? That's what, uh, certainly, uh, listen, I'm not God. And it's a good thing that I'm not. But if I was God and I had all these people running around the earth acting like my little girls saying, ah, are we there yet? Can we, ah, no. We're going somewhere. And to get there, We have to drive to get there. The Bible said it is good for us to patiently wait or quietly wait on the salvation of the Lord. What you don't see here is Jeremiah telling God, are we there yet? Can we be done with this, God? He changes his perspective about the trial that he's in. That's maturity in the Christian life. It's going through a valley without bugging God, saying, are we there yet? Verse 27. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. A lot of times, the problems that we go through in our youth seem silly to us now as we're older. And I'm still raising little girls. Some of the stuff that I go through with them, a lot of you who have raised children and who are children are gone would probably chuckle at the problems that I deal with with Lucy and Thea and Winnie. (laughs) Now I'm thinking of problems that I deal with with them. And they seem silly to me. It's not really a problem. Winnie has this thing now where she wakes up in the night no reason other than you just hear her in there, da, da, and you think, oh no, I don't need more, because I know, and I go in there, I can almost call it, 4.30 usually every morning, da, what, I need my water, (laughs) oh, I get the good idea, here's what we're going to do with Winnie, we're going to take her water cup, and it's got a little top clips over it, so it doesn't leak, we're just going to leave it on the side of her bed there with her, or something like that, that's a bad idea, because when you go in in the morning, uh, A, it's very likely she'll still wake up at 4.30 and say, Dad, I need my water. Okay? Or you go in there in the morning if she hasn't done that, and the water, even though it's supposed to be sealed, is leaked all over her bed. And then you've got to take all the sheets off the bed and change her, and it's, that's a mess. Oh, my mom's laughing at it, right? Doesn't it seem silly? Now that you've gone through that, I'm sure me and Don and Rachel never did anything like that, right? Right. But as you go through trials in your youth... You learn some things. You gain some strength. The Bible said it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. I have the privilege of uh, and have had the privilege of employing uh, several uh, young men in the church here. Uh, and, I've, and I'm not saying they were sissies when I got them. But uh, after they worked with me for a year or two years, the type of work that they do, we do uh, it strengthens them. They become stronger. They, be, they, 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 they gain strength. Uh, Preston, uh, where did Preston go? Oh, he's right here. See, I can't see him. When the first day, I'm going to tell him Preston a little bit here. The first day he came to work with us, uh, he got sunburned really bad. He was, I don't know, he didn't look any different than you do now, but he got sunburned really bad, really bad. Now, to his credit, I don't know if his dad told him, yeah, you're going back to work tomorrow, or he just was, was tough enough back then, he came back to work the next day. And it was still sunny, and he's still out there in the sun uh, cooking. Like, me and Jared were up there and, and kind of thinking is this going to work out this guy's he's cooking in the sun and we actually had him go over next to a big uh it was a dumpster or a container or something like that and he's mixing our our concrete mortar in the shade he's like hiding in the shade mixing it in a wheelbarrow and I thought this is uh, god bless Marcus uh I thought he did a better job with his sons but uh this is not going to go well but he never quit he I guess he got some suntan on him or something and stopped burning and got a big floppy hat or something like I don't remember but now, I wouldn't think twice about saying, Preston, can you go mix some mortar for a, a job? Because he's gained strength. He's stronger now than he was then. Uh, he's uh, stronger, not just physically, but mentally as well. He's tougher. <laughs> he worked with me and getting beat up verbally and meant, uh, abused by me every day. And, uh, he can carry more of a weight. The Bible says it is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. When we're young, as Christians, we go through trials in our life, difficult times in our life. (laughs) When we got married, the day after we got married, we drove to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and almost there, we went through a storm, and most of you remember, we uh, flipped our car. uh, Jillian, we had nothing to do with it. She was driving, or she wasn't driving. I did. I flipped our car down the highway and rolled it and trashed it and totaled it. That's like the day after we got married. Then we get back from our honeymoon uh, I switched to a new job, and you have to wait 30 days to get insurance. Guess what? Had to have emergency surgery in between there. And while I'm recovering from that, uh, Jillian's uh, appendix burst, and had to have that out all in that 30-day window where you're waiting for insurance. So then we have all these uh, medical bills. And, and then from there, we go through more trial. Oh, we're, uh, we're, we lost, you know, Wesley, the, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. On and on and on. I could go through all kinds of horrible things that have happened in our marriage, and you would think, why is Jillian even married to you? But you gain strength. You're able to carry more. You're able to shoulder more of a load. I'm not sure exactly of Brother Steve's job, what he does. You can ask him, and he'll explain it to you, and it won't make any sense. (laughs) But here's what I think. Trent has enough of an intellect he could probably figure out and to do his dad's job, right? But to swap them and put Trent under that load that his dad carries right now, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Why? Because his dad has gained that strength from working year after year and working on these, uh, uh, I don't know what he does at all, but he's learned (laughs) mentally to carry the load that he does. He's a global process owner, okay? Trenton's not. You understand what I'm saying, though? We gain strength from going through trials, from going through difficult things. I really feel not bad But when preacher is talking about retiring in seven years or however long we keep him around for and and try to talk him into staying longer. The man that steps into his shoes, if he's a young man and will have to immediately carry the load that preacher carries here, it's going to be difficult. He'll have to have God's hand on his life. But it's good to carry those trials in our youth. God is strengthening our shoulders. He's helping us learn to bear the burdens we have to shift our perspective from the trials that we're going through and look to the person who can help us through those trials and what he's trying to accomplish. Look at verse 29 here. He put it, his mouth in the dust. If so be there, if so be, there may be hope. He says, "I will literally put my mouth in the dirt, eat eat dirt, to get through this trial." If if there's anything I can do to get out of this, God, I'll lick the ground, he's saying, to get out of this. But listen, God is the only way through that trial that you're going through. There's nothing we can do. Listen, sometimes God puts us in the middle of these storms and there's nothing we can do to get out of it. We have to stop trying to get out of it and try to just trust God through it. I, I don't understand sometimes the things that have gone, uh, we've gone through in our life and in our marriage and, and, and with our family. I, I don't understand it. And, if, and, and my nature is to just, uh, I can, this is what I can do to fix it. This is what I can do to get past this and get through this. And listen, there's some things that you can't get through. There's some things you can't get past. And the Bible said it's good to patiently wait on the Lord. Look at verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. It's not going to last forever. I know sometimes it seems hopeless and we think, God, I don't see any way out of this situation. I don't see any good answers. I don't see any way for you to help me get past this difficult time, this problem with my family or this, uh, this issue with our health or, or financially. I don't see an answer to the problem that we're in, God. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. The Bible says here in verse 31, For the Lord will not cast off forever. We talked about on Sunday, Job, in the last chapter of Job, the Bible says, after, and I'm sure preacher will get there as he's going through the book of Job, after all those chapters of his friends deriding him and railing on him and telling him that uh, he must be going through these problems because uh, he's a bad person and all these horrible things his friends said to him. The Bible says, when Job prayed for his friends, then God turned his captivity and not before. What does that mean? He stopped focusing on himself and he began to look outward and look at something other than his problem, and trust God. And the Bible says, then God turned his captivity. Verse 33, for he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of man before the face of the most high, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. God is not out to get you. I know sometimes it may seem that way. It seemed that way to uh, Jeremiah here. He thought God was against him. I remember when I was younger, if we were <coughs> always roughhousing around and I would always inevitably wrestling with my uncles or my dad. Especially my dad would wrestle with me until I cried. And my mom hated it, but he was pushing me. Oh, he was, I was bearing the burdens in my youth. <laughs> he was making me stronger. But when I would get hurt, when I would want to stop, my Uncle Mark would say, are you hurt or are you injured? And I always thought, that's dumb. What? I mean, it hurts. It hurts. You, you, you broke my arm. or you, you know, You're pulling my ear off or something like that. No, it just hurts. There's a difference between hurt and being injured. Uh, injured is having your arm broke. Uh, uh, hurt is having your arm uh, squished or something like that. You, you pray for my little girls. They don't know the difference. They think that if it's not Uh, 75 degrees and sunny that that they're dying of of, you know too much cold or too much heat but God is not out to get us just because something hurts just because something is difficult just because God has us in a trial doesn't mean he's out to get us what changed here for Jeremiah in the first 18 verses things were awful (coughs) excuse me God was out to get him God has turned his back on him. Uh, God was hunting him like a a wild animal would. Uh, God had made things difficult for him and and, uh, uh, God uh, uh, had taken away everything from him and he had lost his hope. And then what changed to where he said, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna get through this trial. I'm gonna get through this difficult time in my life. He changed his perspective. He said, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies. He began to look at the Lord. He began to understand, okay, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't see the end inside. I don't know why you're letting this uh, wicked army roll through our nation and put us all into captivity. I don't understand, God, but I'm going to trust you through this difficult time and understand that you are in control. You, uh, uh, your ways are not our ways. And because of your mercies, we are not consumed. He changed his perspective. I read a story about a college diver who was, he was a very uh, outspoken atheist. Um, he's very loud about it. Talked about how he hated God and or didn't believe in God. I never understand that. Why there are atheists? If there's no God, why are they so against him? But in any case, that was this man. He had a Christian roommate who witnessed to him constantly, who was constantly praying for him, constantly trying to uh, win him to Christ. Finally, with a little bit of a crack in the door, the story goes that he went to think about it. And he was a, he was a diver. He, he uh, was a, in, in the college there. It was what his uh, scholarship was for. And he decided to go over to the pool house and to dive that night. And uh, the lights were off. And, and uh, it's kind of a weird um, situation there, but the lights were off. And he, he gets up on the, uh, 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 the diving board and he looks off in the, uh, the side of the building there. And because of the shadows, he sees the shape of the cross. And according to him, that was enough of a reminder, enough of he just decided there in the darkness that he was going to give his life to Christ. Uh, he broke down. He, he, uh, he obviously believed in the Lord and, and it was just fighting it, and he gave his life to Christ and sat right there, uh, asked Christ to forgive him of his sins, and became a Christian. After he, after he uh, composed himself, he decided, well, I'm up here already, I'm going to dive. I'm, going to, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a diver, I'm going to dive off this diving board. He stands up and goes up to the edge of the platform to dive, and as he gets ready to go, A maintenance man had come into the building and turned on the light and and hollered at him to stop just moments before he jumped off. And as he looked down into the pool, it was empty. The pool had been drained uh, for maintenance. There was no water in the pool at all. He stopped, climbed down and thanked the maintenance man uh, for saving his life. What happened there? Nothing changed other than his perspective. The maintenance man gave him some life-saving perspective. He was able to see what was below him. Here's what I would encourage us with tonight. Don't don't make a bad decision based on what you see around you. Don't make a bad decision based on, a permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. Things may be difficult right now. You may be going through a a very dark trial in your life uh, and, and, and only you know what it is, you and God. But I would encourage you to look up, to look outward, to look around you, to look towards God. And change your perspective. What's the song say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I just want to encourage us this evening. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're not. Maybe everything's great in your life. But there are those around us, I'm sure that are hurting, that are going through trials. And we can learn one thing from this passage of scripture is this. God is not out to get us. And even though we don't understand it may look hopeless when we look to Christ, when we look up and look towards God, we can have hope. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this encouragement we find in your word. And the world that we lived in, Lord, is so void of encouragement, so dark and hopeless sometimes. It looks bleak. Lord, our, the Great Commission commands us to reach the world around us, and it seems like we may never be able to, Lord, but help us to not look at it our abilities. Help us not to look inward. Lord, help us to look towards you. Help us to gain our hope and our uh, encouragement and our joy from you and not anything else. Lord, I pray that you would work and move this invitation this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We'll have a moment of invitation. And if
0: God spoken to your heart tonight, you can do business with him. All right, we'll
2: have a word of prayer, and then we'll be seated. Lord, we thank you for, uh, again, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement we draw from it. I pray that you would bless your word this evening. Help us not to return to your void. In your name I pray, amen. Let's all be seated. We'll go through our... uh,